Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it's one of those days where you know every uh, first week of the month we are um, we have CEO talks, and you know with CEO talks we got some amazing things, some amazing topics where we get to talk to you from the CEO seat. And with that being said, then we also have our resident contributors, uh, Todd Wanish and uh, Eric Fondren, Todd of Clever Air, Eric Fondren of Itel.o. Uh, gentlemen, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. What is up, everybody? How you doing? Eric, how you doing, man? Oh, man. Dude, I'm happy to have you guys in here. Uh, Todd is also wearing all black with uh, a hood on, so, you know, it's hoodie Todd over here. We match tonight. Yeah, we're we're matching. We're both in the black hoodies. Eric is uh, with us, you know, calling in from, uh, from, from Queens, right, Eric? Yes, sir. So we're going to assume that Eric has on a black hoodie as well. So, you know, Eric, if you don't have one on, man, you got to put, go one, put on. one on. Right. <laughs> we all, like, you know what I mean, in solitude today. Um, so Create Your Life family, we're here. You know, it's the team, the usuals. We're going to talk, talk about and give you some uh, some game and some perspective from the CEO seat. Uh, we also want to um, talk about the ABCs of, of entrepreneurship today. You know? I like um, that. That's a good title. Yeah, I, I like it too. Yeah. I'm I'm feeling the flow of it, and so I guess to to jump right out, you know, I, I thought that it was important for us to, you know, just start with A B C, right? A lot of times you always hear A B C as always be closing, um, but you know, Eric, you put a nice spin on it and said, you know what? Let's always be conversing, mm-hmm. um, meaning talk yeah. to everyone uh, because it opens doors. So, gentlemen, uh, tell us how this has you know worked in your favor, Eric. You want to go? Well, first? I got a pretty recent story. Yeah, definitely. Um, so recently I've had a, a transition in my developer staff, and so I needed to restack the deck in order to hit some of our development milestones. Um, so I randomly got an email from Flatiron School in order to attend a, what they call a cocktails and coders event. Mm-hmm. So Flatiron does a three month program where they train anybody from any background in like React, JS, JavaScript, HTML, being able to deploy like lightweight web apps. Um, uh, within three months, you get that scale set, right? Okay. So I just decided to go, you know. Um, I need developers. It's a good place to meet some people. Um, end up going and meet with three to five qualified candidates, good people who are looking to, um, you know, do something new be in the real world, get a taste of the entrepreneurship culture, and just really put get their hands dirty with the new skills that they just learned. And in my books, that just comes from showing up, right? Getting out there and having a conversation with someone will lead to a uh, organic relationship that may benefit you, whether it's from a client 
or a new employee or a new business idea, maybe refining of an old business idea, whatever the case is, your business always gets better if you expose it to the wild around you. Mm. Mm. Okay. That's fantastic, man. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Flatiron School is fantastic. It's a, that's a really good program. Um, I can yeah. I can relate to that on the on the always be conversing side. Uh, I would say that for anyone looking to to start off and bootstrap their business, um, the conversation is the first thing you need to master because um, mm-hmm. that's how you invent word of mouth. That's that is how everything begins because you never know what somebody's going through and you never know what their problems are and you never know when they're going to need a solution and better yet you don't know who they know that needs to go through the same thing. So what often right. happens is I'll have a conversation with somebody and there's no pretense. I'm not trying to close. I'm not trying to sell. I'm just trying to, to have a good conversation and, you know, maybe help if they need anything, you know, you just offer it up and six months, three months, a year, sometimes two years go by. I've had, I've had times when it's been, it's been five or six years and then just a monster opportunity comes through because somebody who I spoke with years ago calls up and says, Hey, you still doing that? I know somebody that needs this. Right. And it's something that I I heard um, a long time ago and I've tried to commit it to memory. And that is whoever you meet, right? Everybody you meet is in the midst of a great struggle. Hmm. And that's really important to know because every single one of us goes through our own challenges, our own lives, Mm -hmm. uh, our own obstacles. And you never know when you can be the one to help that person achieve whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. And the way you get there is through a conversation, right? Right. And it's not about being a salesman. It's just about just being a good person. So I guess here's something that, you know, crosses my mind often, right? You know, you you have these conversations and you see, you know, sometimes things come full circle years later, right? Or, you know, months later. However, a lot of times, even on that journey, while you're conversing with everyone, you end up with sometimes you get opinions, and sometimes you're getting sound advice. What are some of your methods of, of knowing um, and, and discerning which is which? Between, between sound advice and sound. someone's opinion. Mm. I would say that it comes, you have to take things with a grain of salt. It depends on the person, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of it is social proof and validation. Like we, all, we all have an internal barometer of, of what people say and what people do, you mm-hmm. know? If, mm-hmm. if Kevin says something to me, that's going to that's gonna be somewhere internally on a scale mm-hmm. uh, that, w- that might be different if somebody who uh, didn't have the same background or didn't have the same experience, right? Mm-hmm. If someone I just completely met off the street told me the exact same advice, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't listen to it as hard, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, would, I would point, you need to push back, though, Todd, because you've been at it a while and you probably have a, a pretty honed instinct. It's true. And so the person asking this question or needs the answer to this question probably doesn't have that instinct yet. And so I think in order to approach it properly, you have to learn. You have to first learn even all of it out, the failures and the successes, Mm -hmm. the great conversations and the bad ones. Instead of saying that was a great conversation, what was the output to that? Was there a follow-up? Make it actionable, fact-oriented, and you take some of the emotion out of it because one of the things that I probably did poorly in my entrepreneurial career early on was I rode the roller coaster. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's advice or criticism or whatever it was put me up or put me down. Um, You know, 
depress me or put me in, in a spin. And so learning how to just say all of it is just facts, mm-hmm. and I have to all of it is is needs all of it needs to be filtered. You shouldn't look at one person like they're going to give you the most sound advice because whether it's advice or not, it's still an opinion. Right. It's whether or not it's informed and contextual and relevant and all of that. You learn to you have this 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 formula filter that you build up over time. I used to. That's a good um, point. That you bring up a good point about about especially you know being who we are, where we are now, as opposed to where we st- started off. And I, I would say that what I learned fairly quickly um, was to trust but verify, right? Listen to p- what like people that. say. Listen to what people say and listen to how they say it, but then do your own research to try to either, you know, find evidence to back it up or, or to find a, a, your own spin right. on whatever it was that they were giving you advice or an opinion on, right? Because there's also a lot of advice that might be true, uh, that when you go down your own path might not work for you, right? Like I was, when right. I jumped into the startup game, it was, you had to have uh, two technical founders, right? You had to be technical, period. Um, and I mean, business people weren't really <laughs> needed that much. And I came into it from a design perspective. And I, was, and I knew because of my background that design was just as important. And sure. it took, it took, and, and no matter what people told me, I, I knew that it was important because I had a background in design. And it, it took a couple of years mm-hmm. for the entire industry to finally, you know, uh, I think there was a, I don't remember, I think it was like 2000, I don't remember the year, but there was an article that came out that basically was, a, was like the top um, design, designer-led companies beat the S&P 500 by 288%. So if you had invested wow. your money uh, in companies that had a designer founder, you were, you were crushing it. Because these are companies like YouTube. Right, mm, YouTube had a designer right. co-founder, and all these other. Uh, there's tons of them, and um, so it's a lot of times there can be truth in the advice, right? Um, but then it's up to you to also know who you are, and it's also you to know uh, what you don't want to be. You know, another another thing that I heard coming up was that you had to have investment. You had to if you were going to have a business, you had to have mm-hmm. investment, and that just you know I I went with it, and then I realized that that wasn't the path for me. And I had to fight that. I had to really fight for it because I thought I was doing something wrong by not taking people's advice that I knew was true for them. Mm-hmm. Right? But it ended up working out all, you know, okay in the end. It just, you have to have a little bit of faith in yourself and you have to find a way to navigate right. that advice. I think navigating is, right. and, and having that personal faith is, is very important. As you go on your journey, you know, what worked for someone else is, you know, what might not necessarily work for you. Like everybody has a different experience. And I feel like as, you know, going through uh, SLP and getting having an opportunity to speak with so many different founders, definitely got the opportunity to hear that. I feel like that was one of the biggest things that people kept saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also you have to have, you know, this unwavering belief, even when somebody, you know what I mean, gives you that that sound advice. If it's not, if it doesn't feel right in your gut, then you're really, really going to, I would just say, you know what I mean? Sometimes you have to err on the side of, you know, I think, and I know that this is going to work for me and then really, you know, doing the work in order to make it turn out the way that you want to. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, most recently for me personally, I was, I sat down um, because I was going over some, some numbers for the one pager for the show and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. working to, to, to work the numbers in, you know, and, and I'm sitting down with someone who has experience in this field. And so we're working numbers and we're saying how many impressions, you know, we get a month and this, that and the other. And then I'm, I'm saying that, you know, the way that he's calculating it, I'm saying 
I can't go into a meeting and pitch that mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't, I wouldn't yeah. be able to explain it. And he's like pushing back, like, man, this is the way, trust me, this is the way that it needs to be done. This, 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 you know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sell that because I don't think that it's the way. Now, mind you, he has more experience. He's done this. He said in these meetings. And so I revise it. I say, so we go, this is like literally like a three hour span, you know, where we were, we're developing and going back over the numbers. Right. And so we're going back and forth and we're explaining it and theorizing and this, that, and the third. And we, we leave, you know, of course, you know, it was a cordial, um, you know, uh, session. We leave, we come back and I say, I'll, I'll send you my revised copy. And I send him back my revised copy. And he says, man, this looks great. And so it was me basically having the faith that, you know what, I need to be able to, to put something together where we can actually, where my team and I can actually discuss and be able to prove these numbers mm-hmm. um, from an expert, expertise standpoint when you're not there, right? And so it was, right. you know, that was me pushing back, you know, not that the advice wasn't sound, you know what I mean? And, and it, it was an opinion. I mean, to an extent, all advice is an opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but... That was a recent event for me where I had to actually just go with what I thought would be uh, correct. And, you know, we're we're working to make sure that it's uh, <laughs> that it can be used, that it works. So, yeah, a lot of times advice is just not tactical. Mm-hmm. It's, it's usually 40,000 foot and overarching and, you know, a, a milestone. That's a, it's in the foreseeable future, but it's in tomorrow's goal. You know, so it, it's usually you have to then put a tactical spin on it. You have to then break it down, break out its milestones, all the goals you need to hit along the way in order to achieve the overall overall advice that they're giving. But ultimately it sounded like you had a different business need than, you know, the overall end game of just putting some numbers together, right? You had to sit down in front of a client, explain them, so taking your business needs, applying them to whatever advice you get is, is also a great filter, I would say. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to everybody who's on the Instagram live. Uh, we got um, Oda Wume, uh, Airway Princess, Leo Lady Shay, Shani uh, Network, Hey Auntie, uh, Jarena. Uh, we got Dapper Dan on Facebook Live, Estelle Let on Facebook Live, who actually called in a couple weeks back. She called in from Paris. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's she cool. was, so she listened right. to the show in the States and was there in, in Paris and was like, you know what? I got to dial in and, you know what I mean, let y'all know that I'm listening even when I'm overseas. Um, and so Lupe um, and Nadine Chapman. So shout out to everybody who's listening in. You know, CEO Talks, that's what we're talking about today is the ABCs of business. I think another thing, um, Eric and Ty, while we're talking we're, we, we're always conversing. That's the first thing that we're talking about, right? But a lot of times people are super scared for somebody to steal their idea. What is your take on that? Um, you know what I mean? If you're always conversing, always, you know, trying to expand your network or expand your mind, you know, but you don't want your idea uh, stolen. What are, what are your thoughts around that? Oh, man. Eric, you want to take this first? <laughs> I was going to ask you. But, I'll, I'll take uh, yeah, it. I'll take it. I, this is, I could go on. I, just cut me off if you want me to stop because I could rant oh on this one. Oh, my God. I uh, could, too. But I'll, 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 first, I'll sorry. First. If you are worried about someone stealing your idea and you don't have a strong enough idea, most likely, and B, you are either a rocket scientist and have developed like how to travel to Mars in milliseconds, 
or you just are not doing enough competitive research. You, it's almost guaranteed that whatever idea you have, someone has already tried it in some variation or another. What you need to understand about business is that good products are just simple variations of what already exists. It's not some newfound thing that is coexists or exists only in one person's brain. Very few things that have happened in history occur like that. The biggest ideas, Snapchat, Facebook, they were all based off of social media platforms that existed before them. And so they just tweaked the idea based on the culture and the time, gave something new and poignant out there, and they skyrocketed from there. But ultimately, success is not about someone taking an idea. It's about execution. And so if you're talking to a business that is in your industry and has the means to do what you do, yes, you should get a non-disclosure agreement signed and sue them up the wazoo if they take your business idea. But if you're in a, in a bar somewhere and you're worried about someone stealing your ideas, you're keeping it to yourself, limiting inspiration, limiting those organic moments that prove and push your business forward, then you are highly mistaken and, and again, have not done enough competitive research. I think you just covered, I'm sorry, Todd, I know you're ready. I think you just covered the definition of disruption, though. When you say that you've done enough research in order to have to at least find a competitor, and then being able to to move forward and say and just disrupt what I guess that idea is by putting it in more of a modern or uh, disruption right, contemporary. is just disruption is just a positioning statement. Yeah, right. That's all it is. Yeah. You do one thing slightly different that is that is tuned mm-hmm. into what you can do best, and you're doing something different than everybody else. Yeah. But um, just to hop back, so I can rant on this one a little bit, go because um, <laughs> it's important. It is important. It is important. When when someone comes to me and or, or when I hear somebody want to. Tell me their idea, but they want to want me to sign an NDA, or they ask, which is a non-disclosure agreement, or uh, they they say, "I want to tell you my idea, but I don't want. I'm afraid that people are going to steal it." It it's a huge indicator that this person is just starting out on their entrepreneurial journey. It is it is absolutely the case that most people who think like that are early on in their uh, right. uh, their business idea, their business path, because. Um, most of us on the other side, people who have launched businesses or multiple businesses, uh, are very free with our ideas because I, we also we, we know that ideas are meaningless. I mean, ideas are nothing. Ideas are not right. businesses. Ideas are thoughts that like don't that. have any f- physical form. And you cannot meet investors uh, if you are not willing to talk about your idea. They, they will not sign NDAs, and they will, again, you will signal to them that you are a newbie because mm-hmm. – Without talking, a couple things. If you don't tell people your ideas, you can't get people excited about your ideas. If you don't tell people your ideas, you cannot build a team around you to build your idea. If you keep it to yourself, it will never happen. Uh, On the other side, uh, I will give you a reason why why to tell people. And that is the more people you tell, the more you're putting it out there that you're going to do something. And then none of us want to look like idiots, so we're more inclined to actually get off our butts and do it. Like, oh, man, I told like 30 people about this thing. I got to do it now, right? right? It is a self-motivator to do it. And the other thing, too, just, just to cap it, is I could tell you right now every single thing that I am doing, and there is nobody that could replicate it because nobody knows what I'm thinking. The, a, a business is much deeper than a thought. So I have no problem oh, telling okay. people exactly right. what it is I'm doing down to the down to the you know, full transparency because nobody's going to replicate it. Even if they tried, it wouldn't be the same. I, I like that. And I, I would also say that, you know, the what you're saying is is directly in alignment with 
people can know your idea, know what you're about to do, but they still have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And I feel mm-hmm. like nobody, most people, do not want to do the work. And the work is what separates you, man. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Mike Tyson. Right, exactly. And that's what an idea is. It's like, man, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. The minute you start to do anything, all that goes out the window. And the truth is, mm-hmm. is, and this is, goes back to another reason why, why I think you should always tell people your ideas. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. If you and I have a conversation, mm-hmm. and I tell you A to Z exactly what I'm going to do, right. and for some reason, you do it, Right. If you beat me to it, then I deserve to lose it because I didn't act on it. Does that make sense? Like, I have the idea. I'm writing mm-hmm. it down. By the way, this never happens, right? I'm just giving you guys, like, an, like an additional reason to, to okay. motivate you. Right. Nobody takes your ideas. Nobody goes off and builds it. It really it doesn't happen. It's, it's, it's not, you know, movies. It's, it, you know, it's too much work you for know, somebody it's, it's to funny, copy. Todd, it goes back to what you said earlier about everybody you meet has their own grand struggle. Right. You know, everybody you talk to is going to be either pursuing their own dreams in its own variation and doesn't have time to pivot like that, or even if they thought they wanted to do what you're doing, has other obligations that will slow them down. So if you're that good and you're that, you know, uh, confident about your idea, you should be very much more of an expert on its on its execution and 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 its in game than anybody who just hears about it today. Um, the market is all about speed to market. Those who win win are getting the market first. So, talk to everybody in order to fuel your own momentum. And you know, when you're talking to anybody that has the cash to do what you're doing, you know, try to protect yourself in some form legally. But even that is difficult to prove in, in the court of the market. You can't, you can't build a, mo- a movement. You cannot build a movement unless other people know that it's about to exist. Right. right. Well, I think also there's another thing to do, too. I, I will give us a little bit of pushback because we're saying just talk, talk, talk. I will also say that it doesn't hurt to keep things under wrap for a while until you get some of the work done mm. and then go out and talk about what it is that you're doing versus what it is that you're about to do. I kind of feel like for your inner right. circle, it's important, like, like Todd and Eric, I'll tell you guys what I'm about to do. But once I've started to take um, action and do the work, then I'll go out and add a, you know, a mixer or something like that. Then I'll say, hey, you know what? This is what, you know, myself and my team are doing or, you know what I mean? And if you find a genuine connection with someone, then you can let them in on, you know, some additional plans. Uh, I think that it's important to kind of guard it in that to guard, you know, your intentions in that regard as well. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that also that also allows you the time to, to make something concrete. Yeah. Right, because ideas are, 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 you know, a, a dime a do- yeah, a yeah. pleading and a dime a dozen. Right, but it, the minute you put something down on paper, or you actually start to to put it to work. Then you can actually get your ideas. You've turned you've turned your idea into something concrete, mm-hmm. and then it's not right. an idea anymore, by definition. Right. Right? right, other things might be ideas where you could take it might be an idea, but you have something down, and that that what you're saying is that 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 gives you the platform then to discuss something in con- an idea in concrete terms, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I like you know, that. That made me. They gave me a thought about um, the entrepreneurial journey that early on, and how you know we can run into these roadblocks because we just don't know, and the best way to go from idea to product 
is, and I've always looked back in hindsight on the work that I've done and realized that I've gone the wrong way. I've tried to go from idea straight to product. So I just start doing things, immediately just start doing things, as opposed to going from idea to plan, right? The, The writing down of a plan structures that idea in a way that just going straight to a task, you'll get way too granular and lose sight of the forest for the trees. So, you know, I think it's just important to note that if you're going to be serious about creating a tangible product from an idea, start with a plan. Even if it's just categories, three categories of tasks that you're going to do in order to get to your end goal. So that you can always come back to this map and flush out this map and grow this map as the product grows. I love it. I like that. Idea to plan to product. Absolutely. Yeah. Todd, you got anything to add in before we cut to a break? Uh, yeah. Well, the only thing I could add to that is to take what, what Eric, what you just said. And the only thing that I would add is that if you're going to do that, st- the very first thing you do is start with a date of completion. Because mm. a lot of people can plan and plan and plan forever and ever and ever, and they never launch. So if you start with an end date, if you start with a launch date, or you start with a, you know, this is the day that I'm going to tell everybody I know about this. Then you can back up and say, okay, I have two months, three months, four months mm-hmm. to plan it out and to put something into action. I want to even add to that, Todd, and say that you need to start with you need to start with the start date so that you can mm-hmm. get to that end date. Fair point. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. again, that planning can be a um something that holds you back, you know, an enabler of procrastination. That's so right. So let's right. let's start with the start date and the end date, and then let's, you know, hit the plan and then get on to the product. Um, so yeah, beautiful people. We are here with, uh, Eric Fondren, our CEO of Itelio, Todd Weiner, CEO of Clever Era. We are going to cut to a quick musical break and then we will come back uh, and talk more about the ABCs of entrepreneurship. Uh, call in if you have any questions for us. 212-650-6903. What's going on, Greg Alcalay? Um, great guest that we had on the show. He's tuning in from uh, Instagram Live. Also, uh, Gulf Coast Dre, uh, Progress Playbook, uh, No IG Nate, uh, Michael Ducille, everybody on Facebook Live and Instagram Live showing us love. What's going on, y'all? Uh, we'll be back. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are back. Just heard some amazing tunes uh, that myself and, uh, and Todd and Eric uh, agreed that you know we're appropriate for the show here today. Uh, this is CEO Talks today. We're talking about the ABCs of entrepreneurship. We've got Ty Wanish, a clever era, Eric Fondren, itel.o. Uh, say what's up, gents. Let everybody know y'all here. What's up, everybody? <laughs> How are you? <laughs> How are you? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I want to give a shout out to Sophia Beckford uh, on Facebook Live. She says hello to everyone on the show. Um, and Estelle let's say what song was that and so that song is uh, called Tadao by FKJ and Masigo uh, so we, we got some we got some fire over here you know what I mean that we, we didn't got from you know online some some great musicians but uh, gentlemen we were talking about the um, you know the ABCs of uh, of entrepreneurship and I I want to um, talk about the next one, uh, ABL, Always Be Listening. Please tell us a little bit about that, what your, what your thoughts about around that are. Oh, man. Who do you want to go first? Eric, you or me? Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. So I think, I think listening is just important as uh, having a conversation because um, uh, everybody has an opinion or everybody 
believes, or most people believe, that uh, to be in business, you have to be a salesman, right? And that's very different from from uh, having the ability to make sales, right? Everybody has to sell something. That's how we stay in business. That's how we grow. That's how we how we have employees and all this other stuff. Um, but the way to the way to uh, get into a selling relationship with somebody is to both listen and then have a conversation. That is the selling process. Um, it isn't about, you know, again, being a greasy dude in a you know car salesman outfit trying to push your product and push, 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 push. Um, the modern way of doing business, in my opinion, the modern way of doing business is by listening to who it is uh, that you're speaking to. Listen to that audience. Build that audience. Because ultimately, it's the people that you listen to uh, that will tell you what it is that they want to purchase from you. And that is a way in which you can very easily um, create a product that people want uh, and that people will purchase from you. So I think listening is the way, is the secret ingredient to actually building a successful product. Yeah, and and who you're listening to matters more than anything. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, That goes back to the sound advice situation. So if you're a, a startup, if you're in the, the, the technology startup ecosystem and you're trying to build a business that is going to get venture capital and you're going to scale it then to some monumental level and exit it, right? You're out there and you have multiple people that you're listening to or multiple sets of people. You're listening to investors. You're listening to the clients. You're listening to employees if you have them. You're listening to multiple people at a time. But ultimately, for the bottom line of your business, it's the people on the front lines and you're ultimately your clientele that you have to listen to the most. Even your investors, the people who may already have given money, don't know your business the way you know your business. And your customers are... If you, you should have a continued conversation with them no matter what. You should always be speaking to them, following up, but ultimately, they're going to set the course for your product development for a quarter, two quarters, three, four quarters at a time. And this should be the case even if you're just starting out, even if you're just building a minimum viable product. Who's that minimum viable product for? What are their needs? And what's the best feature that you can create in the shortest amount of time that will create a, a user base? And then from there, that user base becomes the conversation or becomes the, the community that you have continued conversation with. So, you know, listening is one part of the dialogue. I think we, we separate it into its own um, point that we talk about because it's, the, it's one of the most important parts of the dialogue in order to be an authentic salesperson. You have to listen to your customers and then digest back to them their needs in sales pitch form. And, you know, I want to speak on this uh, just from a recent experience. Um, You know, Todd, you and I had discussed this, but I think that listening is so important because you also understand, I feel like it can be a a window into the, the, either the difficulty or the ease of dealing with a particular customer Mm -hmm. that can help you uh, understand whether or not this might be something that's worth your company's time or should you be looking to find a different deal uh, or someone else Mm -hmm. to work with. Um, you know, and so I think that the listening, it really, really plays a part. Um, and then that also, that helps with your, with your messaging, you know what I mean? Your sales messaging and things like that. And Eric, something that, you know, you and I talked about time and time again had been is, you know, pay attention to who you're listening to because just because they, um, you know, you have to make sure that you're 
talking to your end user or, you know, the person who's going to make the purchase. Right. So that's right. important because right. you might be talking to someone who's like, yeah, I would absolutely, you know, love to have this program or this product, but they might not be the, the person that you're targeting or the right. people. And then you can actually even figure out who it is that you should be targeting by listening because you might have a, a product that's intended for kids, but it's actually the parents who are purchasing. Right. But it might be one particular parent who will do the purchasing um, versus the other or, you know what I mean, certain demographics and, and things like that. So I think that that's also plays a huge part into why uh, listening is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I would I would just add that one of the reasons why you want to pay attention to your audience and listen um, is that the, any group, any audience, any uh, any niche that you're in, everybody has their own language. They have their own way of speaking. They have their own thoughts. And they use certain terminology to express themselves and express the problems that they have in ways that you would probably never think of. Um, mm. I, I am constantly amazed when I do this type of research, the way people frame their problem and the way in which they are trying to currently solve their problem um, just through taped together or patched together methods, mm. right? And when you see mm-hmm. this in any type of marketplace, when you see the pain and you listen to the pain and you document the types of type of language, and I mean very, very um, literally document the language, like write down the words that they say, mm-hmm. write down the phrasing that they use, write down the way that the community is trying to solve their own problem because your solution doesn't exist yet. You can then take that language and then what Eric was saying, you can re- Take, you can take their language and reframe it into a problem statement. You can go into that audience and you say, hey, guys, you have this problem. I know you have this problem because I have this problem, too, mm-hmm. and I've done something about it. Mm-hmm. Here's, ha- here's the solution to that problem, right? And there's been many times where just doing that, just crafting that uh, message in a very specific way um, can lead to to your very first sales, even before your product is made. You mm-hmm. can take that right. and and if that pain is deep enough, if that struggle is hard enough and strong mm-hmm. enough, uh, you can say, "Well, guys, uh, go over here to this to this Google form, this Google Doc, or whatever. Um, let me know what you think about this product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're interested, uh, there's there's an attached form to a PayPal a PayPal account. Um, you know, I'm giving a discount for the first ten people who who are interested in it. And and I like that, Todd, because you know, as you said, as Erica said, as I even said, you know, we sometimes call it the gospel of Todd, is to uh, you know that the only validation uh, for an idea is is cash. You yeah. know what I mean? Are people going to uh, you know are they willing to make that purchase right then and on the spot? That's really what validates an idea because you know one of the questions that we have um, is you know how do you know if your idea is worth pursuing? Yeah. And so I think that that, you know, outside of just, you know, someone being willing to purchase right there on the spot, how do we make sure that we're not using vanity metrics, right? We get our uncle to buy or, you know, someone who we know closely who wants to support mm-hmm. us, they buy. And then we like, yeah, I got to sell. This must be worth pushing. So what would you say, Eric and Todd, are some of the key indicators that you use in order to say, hey, you know what? I know that this is worth this is an idea worth pursuing. Well, what I do, uh, I don't move unless I have pre-sales. I don't, I don't make the product unless I have, I've sold it first. Like it, it won't happen. I, I've just learned from launching dozens of products. That's the only way to really be sure of something because you can make anything and you can talk about anything and you can get ideas, you know, listen to people and have conversations from people. Mm-hmm. But uh, you, people want to support you naturally. People are always interested in other people who are doing things. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're, if you're, 
inside of your own circle and you're inside your friends or you're inside your family network, people want to support you. So there are oftentimes you'll find is people will, will support you by saying, Oh man, that's a great idea. I love that idea. Right. And then, and you get this feedback loop from a number of people, maybe friends of friends, maybe even people you don't know, but it, there's a there's a false indicator that often comes from customer development from talking to people that says man all these people want what I have you know everyone says they want it so I'm going to go away and build it and come back and then when you do that and you've spent your time and you've spent your money and you've spent your energy to build something and you come back nobody buys it oh uh, really oh well I gotta I gotta wait till my paycheck comes in this week or oh I don't have that kind of money right now and mm-hmm. all of a sudden all of a sudden the story changes instantly so. Uh, you have to do pre-sales. I, at least in my book, like this is that advice thing, right? It might be different for other people, but for me, from my experience, I won't move until I get pre-sales. And I will add to that by saying that a lot of people, there's a fear about that. Well, how do I sell something that doesn't exist? I don't know if I feel really comfortable doing that. And I would um, respond to that by saying, you purchase, you do this all the time. When you purchase a hotel ticket, when you buy a hotel, a hotel room, Right. When you're taking a trip, you are, are pre-purchasing that room. You're not there. You're just assuming that that hotel is going to be there and that that room is going to be free. There's been plenty of times when you go to a, to a hotel and the hotel's booked up. And you're like, what do you mean? I bought my, I bought my hotel room. I purchased it. Right. Same thing with airlines. You do that all the time. They overbook airlines because they know a certain percentage are going to drop. You are pre-purchasing your ticket for that airline flight. You mm. do that with Kickstarter and Indiegogo and all the crowdfunding sites. None of those products exist. You're just buying into the idea of it. You're buying into the desire to right. have that end product. So it's very, very common. If you look at um, uh, things across business, it's a very common thing. It's just our own natural fear that says, well, how can, how can I take somebody's money for something that I haven't made for them yet? And mm. that's, a good, that's a good, wholesome perspective but the reality is <laughs> it's true but the but the reality is is that you have every right to and and it's actually proper right to get that money in right. get that presale and then you can use that money to help you build your product the money validates the building of the product if it can't do it you don't build it and you you didn't waste time and money you give the money back that's right mm. well Eric, do you have anything to add to that yeah i would say you know uh, don't be afraid of opm other people's money Never be afraid of that. The most successful people, you know, utilize it in, in, in legal and very um, leverageable ways. But also, you know, if you're just starting out making a business, that investment in the non-tangible, like creating something that's never been created, that's the first thing you do. But every time after that, you're just iterating that product. And a lot of times those iterations don't exist yet. And your sales are going to flush out you promising to to build those products. And that in and of itself is the same thing in terms of getting someone, maybe it's a current client, will you pay more for this if I build this feature? Um, or if that current client is paying for something already and you test the feature out on them, now you know something can be sold at a higher price out in the marketplace. But whatever the case is, don't be afraid to talk wholeheartedly about a vision that hasn't come to fruition yet. Because, uh, like Todd has said, you know, there's someone out there that's willing to invest in that idea and get behind making it real. So it sounds like you're you're talking about upselling once you have the product, Eric. Is that am I hearing you right? Talking about being able to upsell. I'm saying that's the 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 latter stage of all this. So once once you create a product and it's out there in the marketplace, you have to fight it from becoming stale, and so you may have to iterate it. 
And if you're iterating, you're also doing that on a micro level of this promise before something's created because you have to go have the dialogue, find out what the pain points are, the new iteration, what the new iteration will be, promise that to somebody, uh, and then build it. And hopefully if you're promising that someone is also promising to pay for the product, otherwise you shouldn't waste money in iteration either. Gotcha. And I'll just add to that too. Um, the other reason to justify pre-sales, the other reason why you want to do pre-sales, um, according to CB Insights, which is a data uh, and analytics company, and they, they track a lot of hardcore big data from startups, uh, the two, the two, the top two number one and number two reasons why startups fail is uh, nobody's going to buy it, right? If nobody buys your product, your business fails, and ran out of cash. Those are the top two reasons why all startups fail. By doing pre-sales, you eliminate both of those. And that is why I, I, I preach about pre-sales because uh, you're, turning a, you're turning a business problem into a scalability problem, right? If I refuse to build something until I have money in my pocket, then A, I have somebody that bought it. I have one person who purchased from me, right? Uh, and then I have cash that I can use to A, justify building the product and B, pay my rent or pay my bills or, or you know, put into development or hire somebody, whatever, whatever I can, I can, I have cash that I can allocate to some task to get this product done. So I have, I have an influx of cash and I have somebody out there in the universe who has purchased from me. That changes that dynamic of your business from nothing to a scalability issue. Right, it becomes a product exactly market fit thing. True. All of a sudden, it becomes well. Is there only one person, or two people, or ten people, or are there tens of thousands of people? And that is a much better situation to be in um, when you're just right. starting out than nope. Than to to have an idea, have fifty people say they love it, mm-hmm. then spend all of your hard-earned cash from from your job that you've saved up for years probably right. to put into a startup, to put into an app, to build this dream project, and then. Basically, it ends up being something you have on your phone that you show at a Christmas party because nobody wants it. <laughs> I'll give, you, I'll give you a perfect example. It's literally the history of my company, right? Free ATM, we knew we had a product that could work, but we didn't have, we weren't paying the table for pre-sales. We were just going out there looking to get our product in market. So we were spending all of our own capital and we were running out of cash. This was with the brand free ATM. We were slapping it on ATMs. We got up to about 50 ATMs without finding one advertiser. Well, we had maybe like three or four advertisers by the time we got to our max. But it wasn't enough to operate the business, keep it scalable. So we brought it back down. I rid of almost every free ATM in marketplace and then sold the technology at a scale level. Now, I won't place a screen in market until I've already sold an advertiser for time that, doesn't, that will kick in three months from now, six months from now. So I'm pre-selling the inventory before the screen is ever in market. Now I cut my, my time between revenue generating once the screen is actually installed to zero because I'm pairing my sales with actual installation. Um, we actually have a question uh, from someone on Instagram Live, Jarena Jade. She asks, how does this apply when you're offering a service as an entrepreneur, uh, i.e. coaching, a show, uh, consulting, or translation, et cetera? Oh, I mean, I think it, it's absolutely pertinent. I mean, if you're, if you're a coach or a consultant or advisor or an agency, uh, pre-selling is, is the way to go. And in fact, you actually have an easier way 
uh, an easier avenue to success than someone that's talking about a startup that involves software. If you're a consultant or a service provider and you are interested in pre-selling something, the, the first thing you do is you can go ahead and block out. If you, if you know where somebody is, your desired client, you find out where your desired client is and you find out where they want to go. Your job then becomes filling in that gap between where they are now, where their pain is and where they want to go, which is like the heaven, right? So it's hell mm-hmm. versus heaven. Your gap, the, your service is the vehicle that moves somebody out of hell and into heaven, right? So you take that and then through doing a little bit of research and finding out what the problem is that people uh, in that market, whatever your service is, whatever your niche is, the language they use, the specific pains that they have, um, the frustrations that they're going through, you can then map out three to six milestones of basic things. Uh, you know, If I know where I want to take you, I can create three to six milestones to get you there. Right. And once I do that, I then have a way to present that solution to somebody. So... Then it becomes uh, the very first step. If I was just bootstrapping this from scratch, and so I don't know your specific situation, Mm -hmm. uh, but I would just jump on Facebook and I would say, hey, here's the thing I'm starting to set up. Uh, I have 10 spots available, right? So you, you, even if you have more, you're just creating a little bit of scarcity and a little bit of urgency. Right. Um, I'm really, uh, I'm looking to talk to people for it. Anyone that wants to talk to me gets a, a, a discount, right? For the first few 10 people, um, call me. Right here's a link. Here's a link to a to a WooFoo form, or here's a link to a Google a Google spreadsheet. Yeah. Fill out your information. Let me know what your biggest problem with whatever the service is. Right, the biggest problem with X. Um, give me your email and and tell me some something about you, and then we'll schedule a time for a call. And uh, Todd, I agree with everything that you just said. I actually want to take it a step further. I read this book. Um, it's actually one of my. I really like this book. Um, it's called Built to Sell by mm-hmm. John Warrillo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this book, he talks about. The, uh, running a service-based business or running a product-based business. And the reason, I think that everybody that's running a service-based business needs to look at their business as a product. Mm-hmm. And so in the book, he talks about a gentleman who has an advertising uh, company, but this person is doing all of the work themselves. Mm-hmm. And essentially, they're a slave to their clients until this person literally creates a product, just one thing that they specialize in, yep. and then he gets the people around him to start uh, to, to fill in the particular roles, and then it's just that they offered a specific thing. So he was able, he took a hit initially, but was able to scale up the business after he identified that, you know what, I only offer, you know, let's say if you're doing coaching, I offer coaching, you know, on this these days, you know, in regards to this subject matter, um, you know, during these times. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually scale that up. So I think that that's a, a great way for this to work. And by listening to your client and having those conversations and identifying what it is that you're actually being paid for where it comes to consulting, right? What are people consistently coming to you uh, consult for a consultation about? Or, or what particular language are you translating? I think that that's a way to actually identify and be able to uh, to scale up. Yeah. I, I want to summarize just real quick based on what you guys were saying, basically you're talking about productization of your service, right? So either you're going to make it a product, make productize your time. So give your packaged time as a product to someone and they'll pay for it ahead of time, which is the pre-sale or create a product, a digital or informational or tangible product that can be distributed to thousands of people easily. Um, and then people can pre pre buy that as before it's ever created, right? There is some content cre- creation costs there, but in terms of productizing your time, all you're doing is basically saying, "This is my service. 
this is a finite amount of time where people can utilize my service and still get a benefit, this is what I'm going to pre-sell in chunks of time uh, going forward. I'll just say like um, that the productization model is exactly how uh, mm-hmm. we have our our business structure, my, my wife and I, and um, it's actually it's absolutely changed mm-hmm. everything for us because uh, we we've taken our services, we've taken our any anything we had, mm-hmm. and we've wrapped it up succinctly yeah. in in very specific digital deliverables. Everything from info products to to training courses. Um, to how to code programs, to software packages, everything. We wrap everything up in a package. And what that does is it allows us, it allows us to um, sell in a way that, that helps, uh, helps us maintain a healthy lifestyle because we can have assets in our business. We have courses, we have programs, we have services, and we are able, therefore, then to scale up whatever we need to scale up or mm-hmm. tune down whatever we need to tune down um, based on our lifestyle. It's, it's excellent. Based on your lifestyle and also based upon uh, the demand because we're listening to the customers. Yeah. Now, real quick question uh, before we run out of here. We're talking about having a conversation, right? The ABCs of entrepreneurship. Always be conversing, always be listening. How important and how much of an impact does your own personal authenticity play in these conversations that you're having? Oh, I think it's everything. It's, it's everything. <laughs> Absolutely everything. I would say, I mean, that's, that is the heart of the sale, right? Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, people don't know what your product is, especially if we're talking about a service or digital or software. Mm-hmm. People don't really know what it is they're buying until they've bought it and they have a chance to look at it. Um, everything up until that point, everything up until they have uh, given you money mm-hmm. for something is based on knowing you, liking you, and trusting you. Mm-hmm. That's it. No like and trust. And that is purely based on who you are as a person, your authenticity, your level of transparency, and the value and education that you provide to somebody. Right? Right. That is, that is what supports gonna, the sale. If you're starting out, it doesn't matter what you do, what you sell, whether it's a product or a service. If you're just starting out and it's your business, you are that person. You have to sell. You have to be the face because people are going to want to know who's calling the shots. Um, and usually you just don't have time or the money to pay someone else to do it. So you got to get out there and learn how to be authentic and real with people in a way that engenders them to whatever it is you're selling. Okay, we have a question from Sophia on Facebook. She is asking, uh, she says she just jumped out and became an entrepreneur on January 27th of 2018. Congrats. So congratulations. Congratulations. Give me a clap here. All right. Um, uh, she says that she realized that she was getting in her own way, so she developed a plan to get back on track. But her question is, what? how does she stay uh, encouraged during the ups and downs of her entrepreneurial journey? I'll let y'all answer, and then I'll wrap it. That c- Have a form of stability. You know, do something else other than work. And make sure it's one of your passions, whether it's working out, cooking, whatever the case is. Glue it into your routine so that it's there. Another person usually helps, even if it's just a friend. Uh, my wife, before she was my wife, was definitely my rock during my ups and downs. You also have to look at the ups and downs as part of the journey. The ups are never as good as they feel, and the, bad, the downs are never as bad as they feel. Just know, it, it, you know, this too shall pass. That's, that's always my mantra. That's Sorry. right. And, and I would say uh, to take breaks. 
You know, when, when you're working on whatever it is that you're working on and you just hit that wall, uh, we have a tendency to to want to drive ourselves and, and not stop until we figure it out. Mm-hmm. And and um, there's a lot of psychology that backs it up. But if you stop and take a break, you know, yeah. go to bed, go for a walk, take a day off, mm-hmm. go see a movie, let your mind relax. And it, in the background, you're still processing. You're still solving the problem. It's just not fully conscious. So go away, mm-hmm. take a break. And a lot of times when you come back, the answer will be right in front of you. And also just understand, too, that you're going to be able to get through everything. The only thing you can't do is stop. I love that. Um, and I would also say, uh, Sophia, one of the biggest things is is forgive yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because we set this expectation where we're going to be perfect. We're going to go out, you know, we're going to work on our business 80 hours this week. And if you fall short at 76, you know, it's okay. You know, it's, the, it's all about, it's the continuation of the journey, right? The marathon of it. So forgive yourself, you know, if you fall short of glory and then get back on the horse. I think that that's one of the biggest things is you have to forgive yeah. yourself. Um, My last piece of advice is, in, in the journey, find a group of successful people that are a stage or two ahead of you in the game and do everything they do. I love that. So I would call that like friend tours or peer tours. Oh, I right? like that. That's a good I, I took that from right. Sean, Sean right. Blanchard, though. I, I'll be honest. You know, Sean Blanchard coined <laughs> that term. So, you know, just want to put that out there. But um, beautiful people, it's been an amazing uh, day chatting with you. Happy to be with you here on the Create Your Life series. Um, you know, Todd and Eric, uh, any last words? We got like 10 seconds. Nah, stay strong, make moves, work hard, take breaks. Enjoy what you do. All right. Well, beautiful people, we will see you here uh, next week. It's been a, a pleasure to be around you, to be with you. Uh, stay blessed and we will chat. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. Create your own life. Create your 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 life. You better create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life.